Christmas Eve. God, we pray that you indeed would give us eyes to see, Father, and to understand the, the beauty and the majesty about what we celebrate this time of year, Father. And as we just set aside this moment to put our eyes upon you, to remember that time when God came near and, and how many things were changed forever from that moment. God, give us eyes to see and hearts to receive the word you bring us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love a Christmas story, and I love the Christmas time of year. Uh, you'll catch me most of the time walking around singing, Let It Snow. I know that everybody doesn't like that. Um, right now, I'm, I'm going to start singing, Let the Mud Go Away, because I have a pretty good mudslide all the way to my front door. That's not as much fun as snow, by the way. It's close, though. It's close. You look at my truck, you'll see what I mean. But as we consider the beauty of Christmas and what it's all about, sometimes for you and I, we have a hard time really grasping it. You see, it's become religionized. We, we get all these concepts and ideas in our mind that, that are not biblical, and we forget the beauty and the majesty of what, what it was that God accomplished on that night. And hopefully tonight... We'll be able to see that. We're going to take a look and just share a few brief scriptures from the Gospel of Luke. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Still today, Nazareth stands just a small town in the countryside of Israel. And here's what occurs. It says that as the angel arrived, he came to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Well, I suppose I'd feel the same way if an angel appeared before me. You know, so often in our life, when we see a problem, we always or often tend to see that problem in the absence of God. When we, when we dwell in the past, we, we don't bring God there. That's why the scriptures call us to remember when we get ahead of ourselves and we think about the future, we forget to bring God with us. But right now, right in this place, God's here. God's with us. And God was with Mary. I'm Mary, just as, as Emily came up and shared the beautiful song that she shared, I'm reminded as I hear her sing. That's about how old Mary was. That's about the age of the, of the young woman that God came to and said, you're going to have a baby and no one's going to believe you. You imagine what it was like for Mary? I remember when Jesus did his first miracle there in Cana of Galilee. Jesus or, or Mary came to her and she probably thought, hey, this is the time. This is the moment. Go prove to all those people you are who I said you were. Jesus said, it's not my time yet. Oh, he, he provided the miracle, but not in a way that, that put light on Mary to say what she said was true. But as the angel brings this news to Mary, listen, as the angel brings this news to her, 
It says, when she saw him, she was troubled. And then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Mary's blown away, to say the least, uh, this message that God's brought to her. And I want you to think about it. Because times then are not so different as times now. Mary was betrothed to another man, and she was going to become pregnant. And she was going to have an amazing story. But nobody's going to believe her. And through it all, God says, Mary, you are highly favored of God. Do you know that highly favored doesn't always mean that life goes easy and that things are smooth? But it didn't change the fact that she was highly favored, greatly beloved. That God loved her. Well, God, if you love me, then why does it have to be this way? The Lord just says, Mary, this is my plan. Trust me. Trust me. She wants to know, how is this going to take place? Well, they, the, whole, the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One who was born will be called the Son of God. We, we go over that phrase and we go over it so lightly. Son of God means that this child bears with him all the nature and divinity and deity of the Father. Just like our sons are a part of us. That he is indeed holy God. Being born. Born in the flesh. is an amazing thing to, to, to begin to, to visualize. To begin to look at. God becoming flesh. But listen. Do you know that he didn't spend his whole life being called the son of God? Everywhere he went they didn't say now this is the son of God. What did they call him? Jesus. Well, so you don't miss out on the, the point. Jesus then is like Joe today. Up until this time, guys, people looked at God as, as the unknowable creator of the universe that we can't understand, that we can't fathom, that we can't have a relationship with. So God comes in the flesh and he comes as Joe. Yehoshua. Just another guy. Just another one in, in school, another child there sitting together learning, another one. You know, sometimes we, we get these religious ideas that Jesus as a child floated across the ground. And, and, and when he walked past dead flowers, they sprang to life. But the scripture just tells us he grew up and nobody really took notice. He was God with us. This will be a sign to you, the prophet Isaiah said. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. It's an amazing, an amazing thing that we look at. Still the biggest news is still the best news. That Christ, he entered into our world so that you and I, might enter into his so that we could know 
the unknowable God. Luke chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. An amazing thing. God orchestrates this incredible deal so that the fulfillment of prophecy would occur. Because prophecy said that Jesus, the Christ child, God in the flesh would be born in Bethlehem. You know how big Bethlehem was? Bethlehem is still little today. You go to Bethlehem, all Bethlehem was was a, was a town of shepherds. And a couple of inns and, and a couple of markets. That's it. It was called the house of, of David. Why? Because David was born in Bethlehem. What was David? Shepherd, right? When he was to be anointed for king, what was he doing? He was out watching over the sheep. What more fitting place for the Christ to be born, right? The one who would be called the good shepherd who lays down his life for, his, for the sheep. To be born in Bethlehem, a place of shepherds. Bethlehem means house of bread. What better place for the one to be born who would call himself the bread of life? That if you come unto him, he would meet your every need. But it's just a little place. It's just a small town. 80 miles from Nazareth. What do you think Joseph thought? Mary had a visitor from an angel. Now Joseph, we think about Joseph. You know, has God ever called you to go out on a limb? Has God ever said to you, hey, I want you to do something, but gosh, you just know it's not going to be smooth sailing? Think about Joseph. How was it going to be for Joseph? Everybody in town was talking about Mary, the girl he was supposed to, to marry. They were either talking about them not being able to wait until they got married or that she had been unfaithful to him. But whatever the case, they were talking. Joseph, in his mind, he thought, I'm going to put her away. I'm just going to set her aside. But, but listen, an angel came to Joseph and said, Joe, I want you to go out on a limb. I don't know, Lord, that limb, it's kind of small, it's frail, uh, it's a lot of trouble. I, I'm on a big, comfortable limb, right up against the side of the tree. I can set my back, I'm real comfortable, Lord. But the Lord said, Joseph, are you going to come out on a limb for me? And Joseph said, okay. And you know what? He was right. It was a little limb and it rattled and shook and it was not comfortable and it was not easy. But Joseph did it anyway. He did it anyway. He went out and followed the example that God laid out for him. But think about it. Who, who knows better what it is to hang on a tree than the son of Joseph? Joseph went out on a limb Jesus Christ would go out on a limb for you and I as well. Well, the scripture goes on, it says, Joseph went up to the Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, and into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. 
What an exciting time. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Take a deep breath I don't know what to say When I look in your eyes You made the world before I was born But here I am holding you in my arms share a little uh, reading I came across in uh, one of the books I read recently. It says, God, O infinite God, heaven's fairest child, conceived by the union of divine grace with our disgrace, sleep well. Sleep well. Bask in the coolness of this night, bright with diamonds. Sleep well. For the heat of anger simmers nearby. Enjoy the silence of the crib. For the noise of confusion rumbles in your future. Savor the sweet safety of my arms. For a day is soon coming when I cannot protect you. Rest well, tiny hands. 
For though you belong to a king, you will touch no satin, own no gold. You will grasp no pen, guide no brush. No, your tiny hands are reserved for works more precious. To touch a leper's open wound, to wipe a widow's weary tear, to claw the ground of Gethsemane. Your hands so tiny, so tender, so white, they clutch tonight in an infant's fist. They aren't destined to hold a scepter nor wave a palace balcony. They are reserved instead for a Roman spike that will staple them to a Roman cross. Sleep deep, tiny eyes. Sleep while you can, for soon the blurriness will clear, and you will see the mess we have made of your world. You will see our nakedness, for we cannot hide. You will see our selfishness, for we cannot give. You will see our pain, for we cannot heal. O oh, eyes that will see hell's darkest pit and witness her ugly print. Sleep, please sleep, sleep while you can. Lay still, tiny mouth. Lay still, mouth from which eternity will speak. Tiny tongue that will soon summon the dead. That will define grace. It will silence our foolishness. Rosebud lips upon which ride a starborn kiss of forgiveness to those who believe you and of death to those who deny you. Lay still. A tiny feet cupped in the palm of my hand rest for many difficult steps lie ahead for you. Do you taste the dust of the trails you will travel? Do you feel the cold sea water upon which you will walk? Do you wrench at the invasion of the nail you will bear? Do you fear the steep descent down the spiral staircase into Satan's domain? Rest, tiny feet. Rest today so that tomorrow you might walk with power. Rest for millions will follow in your steps. A little heart, holy, pumping the blood of life through the universe. How many times will we break you? You'll be torn by the thorns of our accusations. You'll be ravaged by the cancer of our sin. You'll be crushed under the weight of your own sorrow. You'll be pierced by the spear of our rejection. And in that piercing, in that ultimate ripping of muscle and membrane, in that final rush of blood and water, you'll find rest. Your hands will be freed. Your eyes will see justice. Your lips will smile. And your feet will carry you home. And there you'll rest again. This time in the embrace of your Father. In that place, Jesus was born. Meanwhile, Bethlehem didn't even notice. I mean, think about the shop owners. It was the greatest boon in their economy they had ever seen. Small, little town. All of a sudden, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of guests. Every inn is full. Every market strained to meet the needs and the demands of those who were staying there. And everyone so thrilled at the concept of what it meant and what they could make that they didn't hear the baby cry. Didn't know the baby was born. They missed it. Do we miss it today? We have the same noise going on, don't we? Same kind of concerns, the same kind of issues happening in our life. Do we miss 
what the season's all about. Fathoming God in the flesh. God in the flesh. I don't mean to be irreverent. But sometimes we have to have eyes to see. You see, we'll take Jesus and we'll take the story of Christmas and we'll take his divinity and we'll set it up on a religious podium somewhere and we'll leave it as the unknowable, untouchable, ununderstandable God. But don't forget about his humanity. He had diapers and needed change. The time would come in his life when a woman would enter into a place and fall down at his feet and wash his feet with her tears. Feet that smelled just like your feet and mine. He didn't float across the ground. He was real. So then when we hear Jesus say things like, Love your neighbors. Remember that as he walked here, his neighbors hated him and wanted to throw him off a cliff. Yet he said, love your neighbors. That he demanded a life of purity. But when a woman caught in the act of adultery was brought to his feet, he defended her. It's God come near. A God we can know. A God we can understand. A God we can see. We don't want to miss out on that. We don't want to miss out on it because of the busyness of life and the things going on around us, just like those in Bethlehem, just like the king in Herod's palace. We don't want to miss the beauty of God in the flesh. What an incredible thing to consider. What an incredible thing to imagine. Scripture goes on to tell us. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now these guys, they, they weren't in the busyness of the store, right? They're out in the country. I, I, I've had opportunity to stand in this field. The place where the angels came. People ask me all the time, how do you know it's a place? Well, remember I told you Bethlehem's not very big? There's just one batch of fields. And guess what they're called today? The shepherd's fields. And guess what they still do in them? They watch their sheep by night. It's amazing. You stand in that place, it says there were in that same place, country shepherds. Living out of the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Think about these shepherds. Guys, when shepherds were out there, what were they hoping for? Nothing. If you're a shepherd watching the sheep and something happens, it's never good. What happens to your sheep at night? The wolves come and eat them. A lion attacks. It's never something good. So they're looking for that humdrum, boring, nothing happening. Think about how exciting it was. What do we do when we want to go to sleep? Count sheep. Do you think it was any different for them? What is it that sheep are doing at night exactly? Sleeping. Imagine that. Wow, how exciting is that job? Watching 
sleeping sheep. Woohoo! But it's to those guys. It's to those guys out there in the field. People who were willing, that had time to hear. It wasn't to the great kings or the mighty rulers of the land. He came to regular people. You get that? They came to regular, regular people with regular names, living a regular life, and revealed the irregular truth that God was in the flesh, come to take away the sins of his people. The greatest gift ever given. And these angels came. And they began to sing. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. What does a Savior do? He saves you. What does He save you from? He's going to save you from your sins. But listen, don't miss this. He's going to save you from everything. See, God saves us from it all. He is everything we need. Now, Jackie, you don't know what you're talking about. What I need is a second job. What you need is more Jesus. He's everything you need. Well, how's that going to put food on my table? How's that going to take away the pains in my stomach? How's that going to cure my disease? Guys, it doesn't matter. Our eyes are on the temporal. Our eyes are on those things which don't last. What really lasts, what's eternal, is our relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, with Jesus Christ, the one who came to save us from that which separates us from the unknowable God and make the unknowable God knowable so that you and I can have a relationship with Him. And He announced it, the birth to shepherds in the field. Regular people. Regular people. God loves regular people. He made a lot of us. He loves them, and he shows that to us here. It says that this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now listen, there was not very many of those in Bethlehem. Do you understand that? When you go to Bethlehem, there was an abundance of children being born in the cave stables or being laid in the stone manger. There wasn't a lot of those. So he tell the shepherds, here's how you're going to know the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Was he born in a palace? He was born in a humble little cave stable. An outcropping where they would be able to store animals. That's where he was born. That's where he was. He was born in this place. This will be that sign. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. (laughs) Isn't that incredible news? And as we take a look at verse 15, it says, So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Well, let us now go to Bethlehem. 
Let us see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. When they came. Guys, you realize that this still occurs today? That they came and saw Jesus, and then they went and told. Come and see, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. On that day, the news of what was occurring, the news of what God had done was given to shepherds. And they took that news. They came and visited Joseph and Mary. They loved on them. They had no gifts to bring, no gold or frankincense or myrrh to lay at their feet. They just came and saw the Lord Jesus lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. When we look at this story, even as we see our candles as they begin to light, isn't that how the truth of Jesus Christ is spread from person to person? What did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. And when we take that light into our life, the Bible says that we, even as those candles become all aglow, that candle burning before your face, the light of Jesus Christ is reflected on your life. And to the lives that you touch, and to the people whom you reach, but don't make, it, don't make it a story of religion. Don't make it a story of tradition. Don't make it something that's, that it's not. Don't forget the truth that God came near. The unknowable God was presented to us as a little baby. He grew up as a man. He walked in our shoes. He understands what it is to be like you and I. And he did a work to forgive us of all our sins. At first, I didn't recognize him. I guess I was expecting someone in a flowing frock and silky white hands, but it was him, the lion, the Judean lion. He walked out from among the dense trees of theology and ritual and laid down in a brief clearing. In his paw was a wound, and in his mane were stains of blood. But there was royalty about him that silenced even the breeze in the trees. Blood-stained royalty. A God with tears. A creator with a heart. God became earth's mockery to save his children. How absurd to think such nobility would go to such poverty to share such a treasure with such thankless souls. But he did. In fact, the only thing more absurd than the gift is our stubborn unwillingness to receive it. God came near. Let's kill the lights for a sec. We don't need those. Beauty tells us, the scripture lays out for us, when we come to heaven, we don't need a sun. 
Because the Lord is the sun. He is our light. Kill them on the stage. Let our light so shine that men see Jesus Christ in us, the God who came near. And may we always remember the beauty of Christmas. Amen? Let's sing.